0: The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. And this is the Productivityist Podcast. On this week's episode of the Productivityist Podcast, I speak with Mo Carrick. She's the founder of B Corp Consultancy Momentum, Inc., she loves to help leaders transform themselves and their companies. We actually uh, did this conversation. We had this conversation while she was actually at working uh, on-site with a, with a client, so that was kind of cool. Um, she's got a book called uh, Fit Matters, How to Love Your Job, and it was released in May of 2017. We dive into why fit matters, and when you're thinking fit... Don't think about like getting fit. Thinking about like fitting in the right place. We talk about the six elements of work fit. We talk about flexing, which she a term she uses and what that means. We talk about what what the idea of is being uh, fit as an entrepreneur. Like what fit could work as an entrepreneur versus the idea of fitness or being fit. Uh, Within the organization, like what kind of fit will work with the organization? And see, I talk about fitness a lot, so this is going to be an interesting episode. Let's just dive in. Uh, Lots of great questions, lots of great conversation here with Mo Carrick on the Productivityist podcast. I'd like to welcome Mo Carrick to the Productivityist podcast. Mo, thanks for joining me today.
1: Thanks, Mike. Happy to be here.
0: So you have a book out that you co-wrote with Cami Dunaway called "Fit Matters: How to Love Your Job." Now. Um, even a job I love, which is this one, sometimes I don't always love, you know, there are things about my job, but this is not what this book is about. This book is about, you know, the idea of the fact that so many people are, are, are doing jobs that, that really don't suit them or that they don't love. And this book is basically like, it's a practical guide to kind of, and you provide tools and stuff to help people find a fit that matters. Right. So, I want to talk about some of the stuff that you go over in the book. And the first thing I want to talk about is you've got a, a tool called the six elements of work fit. Can you talk about the six elements and, and kind of help guide my, uh, my listeners towards like, are they hitting these elements? How many of these elements do they need to feel uh, comfortable hitting in order to feel that they are fitting in the, in, in the work that, they, that they're either in right now or that they can help them find work that does fit them better?
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and you're you know you're spot on we're not uh, we're not trying to convince anybody that um, happiness and bliss come to us every day at work right It's sometimes just plain old work mm-hmm. that's why they call it work right um, but absolutely, Cam and I were inspired to try to dig a little more deeply at the gallup poll and and so many other polls and research that have been done that say that you know more anywhere between statistics say 72 to 81 percent of um of employees in the workforce today at least in North America um report feeling unengaged uninspired and and uh you know really devastated sometimes to be uh in the work that they're in or in the job that they're in. So we wanted to look at that and say, well all right, what's this all about? Um and and how can we help um people to make it better. And some of that is helping employees or candidates look to say, all right, how can I assess from the outside whether this is the right fit for me? And some of it is helping organizations to create a way for them to be really fit for human life is the way that we, that we describe it. So the six elements which you asked about are what's been uncovered in our research. And um, they are uh, in no particular order. We talk first about what I think are the more traditional dimensions of fit um, in the workplace at least historically financial fit and job fit and financial fit is really you know can i make make the numbers uh work for me today um you know in my in my with my financial metrics what i need to do to um to succeed financially and Job fit is, does this job work for me in terms of my skills, knowledge, and experience? And, um, you know, back in the day, I think historically, these have been some of some of the two main dimensions of fit that we've been uh, looking for at work. And that's really changed in, um, in our current work environment and in the global economy as we look at the entering generations, millennials, and the Generation Z coming up right behind them. So the four elements that I think are more nuanced and more current right now as currencies between employer-employee, include culture fit. Does this company value the same things I value? Is the way they do things here consistent with how I like to roll? Um, Relationship fit. Do I feel uh, respect and care for and with my colleagues and my boss at work? Lifestyle fit. Can I make my life outside of work work for me? And um, meaning fit which has to do with, do I feel that the work or the job or the company is doing something that matters and that I know how I contribute to something beyond myself and, and beyond just a paycheck, which is an, an increasingly important currency for, for the millennials. So it's more complex really than just, are they going to pay me to do something I know how to do? It really begins to be a lot more than that. When we talk about what brings out our best, and how do we really thrive at work?
0: So, um, my friend Cal Newport wrote a book called "So Good They Can't Ignore You," uh, I'm oh. sure, and you know you've read this book. You know what I'm talking about. You, uh, he, so it was. I'm
1: familiar, but yeah. I haven't read it. No. So
0: he, so one of the thoughts he had, and it's going to lead nicely into the question about fit, is the idea that following your passion is bad advice. That you should, oh. you know, um, and he talks about building career capital. So, for example, uh, I think one of the stories, and I'm paraphrasing here, is that somebody stayed in a job. Um, so they could ultimately get to the job that they found w- was the right fit for them how does uh how does someone kind of uh, if they're in a current position And maybe they're disenfranchised or disengaged. And I know in your book you cite studies that's like how much you know. I mean, there's uh, you know the loss of productivity due to disengagement from employees can cost between 450 and 550 billion per year in the United States alone. That's from uh, Gallup research in 2013. How if if you're in a, a job and you know you like the culture, let's say you like the culture, but but something is wavering, like meaning, or it's you know, or it's. The idea of the actual position that you have isn't what you're looking for. How do you cultivate the, you know, the, the right fit in a situation like that is, is that, is it, is I'm imagining it's not so cut and dried, but it's gotta be something where it's like, okay, how do I, how do I navigate my way through this, this, this company or this, this work situation so I can get the right fit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's really well said. And, and you're right. It's not that simple or easy. Otherwise I think more people would be feeling, mm. you know, fully satisfied. Um, and so there's two things I would offer uh, for your listeners to think about. One is that fit in our research is temporally sensitive, meaning that the needs we have of our job situation really do vary over time. So, you know, as an example, early in my career, I was a wilderness guide. I worked for Outward Bound at the National Outdoor Leadership School. It was a fairly transient lifestyle. I, lived pretty much kind of out of my car. I would work a month at a time in the wilderness and and then maybe be camping and climbing at other times. And it was fairly low pay. It didn't meet, you know, um, ex- I didn't have excessive money, but it, I made enough, you know. Um, but it was work that had a very high feeling of meaning for me. I also had really strong relationships with my colleagues, many of whom were also um, good friends. And um, the lifestyle really worked for me. I was unattached. I didn't have a family at that time. I was looking for adventure that worked very, very well for me in my twenties. And as I matured and ended up becoming married and raising children, my needs really shifted to where some of the, um, flexibility, the adventure that I was looking for in my lifestyle started to be maybe less important than my saying, you know, I'd actually, I kind of do need to make a bit more money. I'd like to have a home. I'd like to be able to, um, afford education, uh, and support for my children and things like that. And so I needed to look for a work situation that, that would be different. And, you know, know, through the course of our lives, those elements really shift and vary. We're hearing a lot right now, for example, from baby boomers who are maybe done with sort of their fast track career. And now they're saying, you know, I'm retirement age, but I don't really want to just stop doing something. But maybe the only element of those six that is a big feed for me right now is meaning. Like, what can I do that's contributing back to society and, and stay engaged? So part of the the challenge is to figure out, okay, what am I needing at this time? And then to be able to assess, am I able to get it in my current situation? And that gets to sort of the back half of your question. One of the things I think is common for all of us, I don't know if it's true for you, Mike, but is that we tend to immediately, when a job starts to feel like we're misfit, it can be kind of demoralizing. Mm -hmm. And one of the first things we want to do is jump ship. Yep. Like, okay, I'm out. Like I got to get a new job, you know? And sometimes that's easy and possible, but oftentimes it's not, you know, maybe I'm living in a certain area of the country because my partner um, has a great job here and it's not that easy to leave. Or maybe I'm caring for an elderly parent, or, or maybe for some reason, it's really beneficial for me to stay at that company, even though, um, it's not a perfect fit, you know, for me right now. And, I shouldn't even use that expression, actually, because we maintain there is no perfect fit. It's sort of uh, one fits better than the other. So we look at before you you just jump jump fit, can you also be thinking about what might you change in that current environment? We call it flexing to fit where you are. What are some of the hard conversations that you might need to have with people in your workplace or with your boss to begin to look at, can I... Change some pieces of this situation so that I'm me- feeling more satisfied on the element that really matters to me right now, um, and and some of that may also have to do with rebuilding my confidence that this particular situation. If I look at that equation, I can say, you know what, it's worth the trade off for me right now. You know, yeah, sure, maybe I'm not getting my lifestyle needs met, but it's still valuable for me to stay here because I'm meeting my financial goals or I really value the relationships. And sometimes just that fact alone can help us be satisfied. Um, And sometimes we need to negotiate some different pieces. Is there another role in this same company that I could move to? Is there a different job that might be more stimulating for me? Some of those kinds of things, depending on which element um, I'm finding is the least satisfied for me.
0: What about um, the idea that not every so we've, we've talked about the elements of fit and, and 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 not what if if they're not all being met is another tactic and again i might be just throwing a softball here uh that that people find it outside of the workplace so like for example if the ability to be do altruistic work like in terms of like a larger mean a, a greater sense of meaning isn't available in the workplace maybe they look for it outside of that which helps them deal with the fact that it's not readily available in, in their workplace? Is that something that, that is worth exploring as well? Or is it, is it, again, just a temporary solution? Because if that meaning is just still not there, then you, you're, you're kind of putting a Band-Aid over a much greater problem.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good question. And I think it probably would, would vary situation to situation, but you know, you're spot on if, if there's something like that example of maybe I'm not getting my meaning needs fed, but they they feel really important to me right now. Absolutely. There could be some great options for what I do outside of work that might um, be really helpful and might shore up. That aspect of myself. And what we're really looking for is, and and what I think is central, in fact, we dedicated a whole section of the book to this, is that, you know, in order to make those kinds of decisions or assessments, we have to really know ourselves. We have to be able to really look at, okay, you know, who am I right now in this current situation? And what about it in terms of fit is working and not working? Because then I can move into problem solving and say, all right, what might I need to do differently in my situation to shift and get more satisfaction in that one element or learn to live with the trade-off? And, and so, you know, I would say even before going too far down the path of what do I need to do to change the situation or expand my outside of work? priorities would be to really spend some time thinking through what is it that matters to me. We actually have a checklist that's on our website, fitmatters.biz, and, um, and it's a way to easily sort of do that quick self-assessment, you know, um, at least as a starting point. You may want to do some further assessment and talking with colleagues or a coach to get more specific about what is it about this situation uh, that's causing me to feel like I'm not thriving. And then from there, you can move um, usually into some solutioning.
0: I want to talk a little bit about not just being fit in an organization, which we're going to get to like how to kind of cultivate fit. Cause I know you've got some stuff that you talk about in the book about some of the things that can have an impact on it in, in the workplace and an organization. But what about for the entrepreneur? What about for the, the person who is starting a business it, because someone said, oh, you're you're really good at this or you should or or maybe they've been put in a situation where they they've decided to go out on their own and they're trying to figure out what work, you know, what what idea they have, whether it's a good fit or not. Is that something that that gets explored enough or like, can you, can you translate that from here? Cause I know that most of it's about like, Hey, I have this, I found this job or I have this job. Does it fit versus I've, I, I think I'm going to create this job. Does it fit? Yeah,
1: that's a great question. And we really looked at that as we were writing and doing some of our research, because for many people, that's a crux decision, right? Mm. Am I going to, find a job working for someone else that I want to thrive in, or am I going to create an opportunity or even a company that meets my needs, that's perhaps driven by my passion for a mission? Um, and we do tackle it a bit in the book. We chose not to tackle it in a big way because I think that um, our assessment was that there's so much more that comes with the entrepreneurial journey um, that goes, you know, that sort of transcends fit because you're really creating an organization. Right. And and one of the very common crossroads, I'm sure you've seen yourself, Mike, and many of your listeners may have, which is am I going to start an organization where I'm a sole entrepreneur or do I really want to build an organization? And if I'm building an organization, then I'm going to have a lot of ability to Look at the elements of fit and really design my company around what I think is going to matter to my employees, which may be largely based on what do I think matters in terms of fit. If I'm becoming more of a sole entrepreneur and working alone, I may want to look through the element lens and say, okay, which of these? How am I going to meet some of these pieces of fit where I'm not as likely to get them naturally by working alone, such as relationship fit, um, or financial fit or lifestyle fit? To say, will this Um, entity that I'm starting or this sole entrepreneurship effort meet those needs that I have. I can't tell you how many consultants in my space in organizational development have gone off on their own, have left a company trying to find higher level of satisfaction, only to find that um, a few months or even years down the road, they're really unsatisfied. The two most commonly cited reasons are they're not in a peer group that they can talk with and collaborate, they feel lonely Mm -hmm. and alone (laughs) a lot of the time, or their financial dreams didn't materialize. And they're saying, man, this running of this business is actually more expensive than I thought. I don't like the insecurity of not having a regular income. And so those are two good reasons for those people to say, hey, maybe it's better for me to go back to looking to being internal. Um, So I, I think the work can be applied for the entrepreneur's journey. But I also think there's a plus delta there that's very specific to that Truck's decision. Do you do you agree? Oh, to, do you see oh it absolutely. Yeah.
0: In fact, one of the things that I've noticed and, and, you know, I mean, I was just at a conference not too long ago and that, that was, a, I mean, cause yeah, I'm sitting in my office right now. It's just me, you know, there's nobody right. else. So I have that, you know, having obviously conversations with, with guests like you going out to, um, to events and conferences and, and, you know, uh, engaging with, with uh, you know, friends, both old and new, some that I've never met online uh, offline before i think that those are the kind of things that you i almost need to have happen even though I'm I'm, I'm I'm probably more of an introvert than most people realize uh, still having that happen is important but the other thing um is that as my team has grown i've gone from being the solopreneur to being to being a small organization and some of the stuff when you talk about like the workforce trends that can impact fit uh I'm looking, I've looked at a few of these. I'm like, Oh yeah, I kind of messed that up a little bit at the start. And uh, so it gives you some things to think about, which of you've got 11 listed here. I don't want you to list them all because I want people to buy the book, but I want you to give me like an indication of which ones like you're today you're working with, with, a. I know you're working with a client today and you client work, which ones in your experience are the ones that kind of rear their ugly heads more often than not. And yet uh, probably are the, Easy, maybe not the easiest, but are the ones that you could tackle head on and will have a greater impact towards fit rather than, you know, you know, than than you know, repelling it.
1: And you're talking about which 11? I want to make sure I'm looking for the, the right workforce
0: thing. trends that impact fit.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I missed that. No, Somehow no, You faded out a bit. No. Um, gosh, there's so much on that in that category, um, isn't there? Like, I, and, I'll tell uh, you mine. Head,
0: mine. I'll give you yeah, mine. To yeah. give you, so so New and ambiguous roles, so yeah. not being and, and it and the funny thing is, is that that's just the beginning. So, for example, um, I'm still trying to define what my VA does, like what role my VA has. Do you know, what I mean, so uh, you know, there are things that uh, that that are very rudimentary and fundamental that this that that she does, that Claire does. But by the same token, I know that I should be giving her more. But the role, I haven't clearly defined the role enough to know, OK, this nor does she know what it is. So, uh, so there's things that are probably she could be doing that she's more than willing to do that I have not given her yet and vice versa. Right. And same thing. There's probably some things that she's doing that she's like, you know what, could we maybe offload that to somebody else? I don't feel that fits my role. So that's one right away. uh, uh the other ones i mean and again that's obviously involved with cloud workers as well cuz all my people are remote but those two are ones that come to mind right away that that if i don't if i don't uh, nurture and cultivate and pay atten- and pay attention to this stuff if I, and again this boils down right to my core message of personal productivity is intention plus attention what's my intention okay well how do i make sure i pay attention to that seeing these and going okay you know what i need to clearly define this role and not only that, but future proof it. So if Claire, you know, moves on, I want someone else to be able to go into this role and have all the tools that they need to be able to just pick up and not not necessarily go through maybe some of the stuff she went through and be able to grow at a much, you know, much greater rate, or at least have me be able to evaluate them far faster than maybe I have with her or maybe other people I've worked with in the past.
1: Yep. Yeah, well, good for you. That sounds like a really good focus, in, in, in terms of how you're trying to grow and scale your company, I think that um, the, when I look at the list and I think about the other things we really consistently are hearing, um, I think this flexibility as a currency is um, is really big. It kind of ties to the. Number five, distributed companies and teams. But um, for most businesses, and uh, and, and this is true in the startup mode as well, there's a dimension of the work that people are really choosing to build their work around their life rather than Mm -hmm. the other way around. And flexibility is one of the ways we get there. Um, And so really knowing as as someone who's hiring others or as an entrepreneur to say, what is it that I'm going to do about flexibility? Do I want to maintain office hours? Do I want to have the ability for people to work in any location or any time zone and what will that look like to keep it high quality to keep our speed going I think is important it's definitely what the worker of tomorrow is coming and looking for is how can I make this job work around my life um, in terms of flexibility Uh, and I think the other one that jumps out at me is um, the notion of Overwhelmed workers, Mm. you know, really dealing with the level of um, of burnout and stress that we are experiencing in the workforce with our 24 7 connectivity. And, you know, how do I want to manage, especially if I'm also offering a lot of flexibility, how am I going to help keep my workforce healthy and myself healthy um, so that I don't just go overboard and be working all the time, therefore really reducing the quality and camber of my work and theirs, um, which we know does have an impact um on any startup as well as, you know, a, a huge company as well. It's a big issue we hear about and see about right now in the world of work.
0: Well before we wrap up, I wanna to touch on a couple of things and also let uh, members of the podcast you know, the Patreon members uh, the, those that are, are, are you know, going to get some of the enhanced content, and the additional, is that we're going to talk about some ideal day stuff in that bonus episode. You're going to want to stick around for that. But before we go, I want to f- talk about how to go gracefully. So uh, when you're ready to leave, and this is this is uh, near and dear to me because I have, as I left towards what I'm doing now, I left three jobs, one of which I was at for almost 12 years. The other one I was at for maybe a year and a half, and then the other one I was at for about two years uh, as I evolved into, you know, obviously what I'm running now, which is running Productivityist. And each one kind of was a different exit. I'll, I'll give you the co- the, the notes version of it really quickly. First one, I was a manager, didn't want to be a manager anymore, gave a month's notice, stepped down, became a uh Uh, you know, basically I was ended up being the one of the door greeters at Costco. So when I was leaving Costco, like the last job I had there was low bandwidth, and I could build my business slowly on the side while doing that second job, um, I got offered the third job and I offered to stay and try to balance things out while i moved forward to that third job and that third job by the way was a better fit it was i was it was an operations manager position versus the other one which was more sales and i'm definitely more of a project manager type of operations person that that what was interesting there is that the person i mean i was i offered a month's notice and the person basically let me go right away they were like no because they felt betrayed uh and then the third job i left as a for, for lifestyle fit it didn't fit lifestyle because we had kids now there was a high demand on my time. There was very little flexibility because it was event oriented and those events were pretty, fairly static and ultimately uh, overwhelmed because I was working on that. And well, and my, my side business at that point was so great that I couldn't really move away from it. But when people are ready to leave, like those are all three different, very different ways of, of me, reasons of, for leaving and then ways I left. Like how does someone when they've said, you know what, I've, I've looked at this, I've worked with it uh, and it's just still not working. How do I, how do I depart without burning a bridge along the way?
1: Mm, Yeah. Yeah. It's a really important piece because, you know, you never know, do you, when that previous situation or someone in it is going to circle back into your life. Mm -hmm. You know? So we wanna we wanna keep those connections healthy, even when it's a bad situation or a good situation that went bad, because we may need an ally or a support or we may have an opportunity to work with that person again as a customer or a partner. Um, And you said one of the things that I think is so important, you know, we we do recommend in the book that when you're when you're close to making that decision that it's time to leave, um, there are still good reasons to stay. And so we recommend at that point to really take some time for self assessment around is it time to leave? There's a great assessment that's online from Amy Rezanowski. Resen- Resen- I'm not even sure how to pronounce her name. I apologize for that. Um, who's from Yale, who talks about um, she's got a survey. We have it in the book in the appendix about is it time to leave? And really um, being able to, to look at that and get honest with ourselves about is now the right time? If now isn't the right time, um, what what will be the right time. And um, it, and that has to do with a lot of things. The loyalty you may feel to your colleagues, the financial circumstances that you may need, um, the ability to have something stable while you're looking, those kinds of things really do factor in. And that way you you can get a good sense that you're making a sound decision, not just a rash decision where you may end up jumping out of the frying pan right into the fire. So assuming you've done some self-assessment, you've decided, okay, it's time for me to leave. I'm going to be looking for something else or I'm going to be starting my own thing. Then you've got to figure out, all right, how can I make this exit with grace? And um, there's a couple of things we recommend in the book. One is to, to prepare yourself, really be thinking about what are you going to it's always good to be going to something rather than just to be leaving something. And it may be that where you're going to is a break and you're going to take some time off. Awesome. Just make sure. Do I have the elements in place that I need to? Can I support myself? Is Or is it going to end up feeling really stressful if I don't have a job right away? Um, so leaving towards something I think is super helpful. And then really thinking about how is it that I'm going to Explain my departure to my employer. Many employers do give you an opportunity for an exit interview. That's really good HR practice. And if they don't, it's certainly up to you to ask for one. Um, and that can be a powerful way to, in a safe environment, share with that organization some of the feedback you have that might, have, might be contributing to your leaving. You then feel heard. You know, you've got to express Perhaps some of what surfaced that made you not as uh, happy in in that situation. Um, And it also doesn't result in a disruptive or painful. Um, volatile feedback session, for example, with your boss, where you're saying, Well, the reason I'm leaving is because of you, or, you know, mm-hmm. anything like that. So it kind of gives you a confidential space to share some of your concerns. Because one of the things we do recommend is it's always a good idea to be able to get a positive reference from your employer, including your boss. And, um, and in order to do that, it's usually helpful if you can negotiate a way so that the employer doesn't suffer too much by your departure. So if you have open projects, how can you close them up or train your success? how long feels reasonable. You know, many people, the sort of standard notice is two weeks. There's cases when less is necessary or more is necessary. So negotiating that with your employer so that you're not leaving them really in the lurch, but at the same time, you're not staying on too long so that you're kind of a lame duck. Um, and then really contributing to right up until the end, I think is important. All too often when we get finished mentally with a job, we actually really start to exit. Um, And and that's normal to a degree, but we do want to stay focused so that our performance doesn't deteriorate near the end, which is hard on our self-esteem and also really not that great for the employer that we're looking to give us a, a good reference. I sometimes remind people, you know, when you're leaving a job, um, it's you're wanting to move on to that next thing and you're wanting to be thinking about it. And, and at the same time, you need to stay present in the situation you're in until you really are out of there. And so sometimes it's helpful to have, as you, sounds like you negotiated a bit, Mike, a bridge opportunity mm-hmm. where you set something up so you don't have to stress like, okay, I've got something to go to, but it's not something that I have to really put a lot of energy into thinking about or preparing for right now, because I'm just focused on sort of closing this out well, having a nice celebration of a departure and getting that good reference so that I can leave kind of in good conscience. Um, And maybe if I did have hard feedback about something the employer did that wasn't working for me, I can share that in a safe and responsible way.
0: Well, I think it's time to leave on that note. That was a good way to wrap things up. Mo, where can people find your book and learn more about you? Well, we are
1: on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, just searching by the title, Fit Matters, How to Love Your Job. You also can go to our website, fitmatters.biz, or to my personal website, MoCarrick.com, and you can order the book from all three of those opportunities, both in print and in um, electronic versions.
0: Great. Mo, thanks for joining me today on the Productivities Podcast.
1: Thank you, Mike. Really appreciate it.
0: Big thanks to Mo for joining me this week on the show. I had a great time chatting with her. You can learn all about her and get her book. Fitmatters.biz is the primary website. But all the other links are in the show notes. You can check that out as well. You get those in your podcast player or, of course, on the website. Just go to productivityist.com slash podcast and either look at this most recent episode if this is the most recent episode, if you're subscribing. And if you are, great. If you're not, come on. Get with the program. And if uh, this is not the most recent episode, just look for Mo Carrick in the search and you'll find her lickety split. Now, um, we dive deeper into some of the elements that she talks about, like not the elements of Workfic, but but Impact when it comes to uh, being fit with work and having the right fit, Uh, we talk about three specific components that I wanted to touch on more in the Members Only podcast. Head over to Productivityist.com slash membership to learn more about that. It's a fresh, shiny new thing that we're working on. You can learn some more information on it. And uh, if you're already in that, Membership. That's great. I'd love to hear some feedback on that in the private community that we have set up. And if not, you can, uh, of course, head over to that link, productivityist.com slash membership to learn more about it. And also get with the program, get on board, uh, because the goal is to build a strong community so that we can all be uh, more productive and, you know, help us make all of our moments matter. That's it for this week's episode. Thanks to John Polster for for pushing this episode out as the producer. Thanks to uh, my team for helping me uh, assemble everything we need to make this episode happen. And thanks to you for listening. Until next time, I am Mike Vardy, the host of the Productivityist podcast and founder of Productivityist, reminding you to stop guessing and start going.